0: hello and welcome to remainders the podcast that brings you discussions of movies old new stuff that just doesn't even come out yet we are joined every week by my co-host and friend patrick mcintyre pat say hello how are you doing
1: i'm doing great how are you today well
0: i am doing excellent if you're joining us on youtube Don't turn that dial, as they used to say, because we are here to talk about an incredibly crazy movie called Body Heat, starring Kathleen Turner and William Hertz. Um, Basically, in the 80s, it was the modern version of Double Indemnity, which it was my first time seeing it this week, and I was surprised at how quickly I thought, man, is this Double Indemnity? Are we watching a remake of Double Indemnity? It is also the very first film, by Lawrence Kasdan, who directed and wrote the film, and you might know Lawrence Kasdan from directing what movie, Pat? Big Chill. <laughs> okay, but also did, I think most people—I think most people would know him from directing *The Empire Strikes Back*. Uh,
1: wait a minute! I knew he wrote it. Wait a minute. Okay, so I'm having a. I'm pretty he?
0: sure he directed Empire Strikes Back, too. And, like, please, if I get this wrong, i want to feel like a total heel.
1: <laughs> I mean, I know he wrote. Uh, uh, um,
0: oh, Empire. maybe he didn't direct it? Wait, so wait, let's see. Did George Lucas direct Star Wars Empire no. Strikes
1: Back? Um, I, might, I mean, I may be completely off, but um, no, he didn't direct the... Uh, empire he wrote it so that's that's I mean, okay so he, he i got close raiders yeah you, you got very close he wrote raiders of the lost ark and uh wrote empire strikes back uh, why is his name um me? i mean we should be able to find this out right
0: now but here's the thing this was his first directorial debut and i looked at his filmography after checking out you know whoa i of course you've heard the name lawrence Kasdan, but when you check out his filmography and see all of the things that he's been involved in it is pretty insane um and he was also part of 2015, the The Force Awakens, as a writer, which is yeah. uh, amazing. I didn't know that, and I love The Force Awakens. Um,
1: yeah, it was Irvin Kershner who directed Irvin uh, Kershner, of yeah.
0: course. How could I forget that? Who
1: went on to direct uh, RoboCop two or three, which is I've never seen because they're not worth watching. What <laughs> you've
0: never seen? It? How do you know they're not worth watching if you haven't seen them?
1: Uh, because everybody who is a diehard Robohead, like I am. Um, very few, if any, are fans of the second or
0: third one. So. Amazing. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, everybody out there, I'm sorry. I, I fucked that up. Lawrence Kasdan did not direct it, but he did write a bunch of great movies, including Empire Strikes Back. But he did direct this one and wrote it. And it's Body Heats. So uh, this is a neo-noir, but it's also, as they call them, erotic thrillers, which has actually been very big right now. Criterion has a whole list. And this is actually where I saw this film pop up in the erotic thriller it's kind of i guess they would what do you call that when they put them all together that's a uh they're curating these things these days yeah. so all of these films uh were on the criterion and i decided to watch it one day and i liked it i watched it about a week ago and i really liked it and i just uh, you know pat and i were discussing what to talk about next and i said well how about body heat and he's like i've seen bits and pieces so now that you've seen the full film what do you think
1: I mean, I absolutely love it. So I'm very surprised. I thought this was a movie that you were all in on uh, for a long time. This is definitely way up your alley. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was looking up for you to uh, kind of point out to all the uh, I mean, I knew it was basically a remake of Double Indemnity, but I'm sure there are other um, references to Hitchcock. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually just learning right now. This is the first watch for you um because yeah this is definitely right up your uh, alley in terms of uh, all the Hitchcock vibes and everything they've been into and I know you've been rocking that um curation for the erotic 90s so
0: yeah and like I said it's like a lot of podcasts are talking about like erotic 90s erotic 80s and it is an interesting you know list to curate because a lot of these like neo-noirs and stuff like that they are like I guess what makes them even more sexy is that they're like got this element of like you know the double crossing or the person that you're attracted to and you have this like steamy romance with but then they're the ones who are ultimately your demise which is the case in this film (laughs) which is also the case in double indemnity right and there's murder there's you know plots of uh a lot of deceit going on relationships
1: are a bitch aren't
0: they yeah relationships are (laughs) a bitch and and this is 1981 so it's quite a while after and i'm trying to think you know has there been Mm, has there been this close of a remake to double indemnity since then i don't think so
1: plenty of homages uh i'm thinking of i I don't know i I'm, i'm having images of plenty of um movies that were like c and b level like try to uh knockoffs of hitchcock but i don't think anybody's uh certainly not in the mainstream like um this movie was pretty successful in 81 and um to, to kind of go back to like what you were talking about, uh, how much of there's been like a focus on like erotic 80s and 90s. Um, I was really thinking, I mean, it's largely because movies are so sexless these days. Uh, there's just like, there's very little nudity. There's very little sex in movies. And that's a uh, byproduct of like corporations kind of taking the heed of movies. Also the availability of porn and how ubiquitous that is. It's like movies don't have to fill in that... Uh, gap for the average person who just wants to see naked people every once in a while anymore when that was just kind of the standard back before uh, technology took that over
0: gotcha so you're i think what you're trying to say is a movie these days doesn't need to spend that much time going through and getting into the steamy parts of it because they could just look it up online anytime they want and that's again it's kind of like violence violence is like it's got to be done the right way now because like Everybody's done it every yeah. single which way, you know. It's like almost yeah. these days, what you don't show is the scariest thing, which is all back to the Hitchcock days. And I'm and definitely, kind of, you know,
1: yeah, I'm definitely talking mainstream. Like, you, there's plenty of like fucked up movies uh, that you can find in the indie scenes and whatnot throughout world cinema, especially, but uh, mainstream U.S. films. Like, this was a, this is what you would like Body Heat. If you went to the theater in '81, like this is like the feature that most people were going to be watching. Uh, on a Friday or Saturday night. And that's just non-existent anymore.
0: Yeah, pretty amazing. So for all of you out there that are listening and want to know what this movie is about, if you haven't seen Double Indemnity, this movie follows closely that storyline. It's somebody who's in a position of sort of not really doing amazing in life. Uh, The character of Ned, played by William Hurt. uh, Rest in peace, by the way. And it's not like he's doing really terribly, but he's just kind of like uh, in this position where he just kind of like slinks along and is like getting by doing what he's doing and kind of average guy, you know, an average Joe, but he's, he's a little hard boiled, just like uh, Walter Neff is in double indemnity. You know, he's got this kind of like little hard exterior and he meets Maddie, who's Kathleen Turner, who's married to someone who's very wealthy and he doesn't really realize it, but she's playing him and she has this ultimate goal, um, to get rid of her husband, just like double indemnity. And so the story goes on where people are telling him to be careful. A lot of times people are telling him to be careful, which doesn't happen much in double indemnity. You know, uh, you're, as a viewer, you're very much with Walter Neff and you kind of understand that like he's going down a road that he shouldn't go, but nobody else knows. In this film, nobody really knows, but they also know getting involved with her is trouble. And so uh, even the guy who is uh, played by Mickey Rourke, by the way, which I'm sure we'll talk about, he's the one who gives him the bomb and says like, you probably shouldn't do this, but you know, here you go. So he gets entangled, and of course it blows up in his face. Uh, pardon the pun there, because that's obviously how uh, things um, unfold for the demise of Kathleen Turner's husband. But along the way, a lot, a lot, a lot of nudity and steamy scenes in, based in Miami, Florida, which uh, the heat only adds to the drama, just like in Do the Right Thing.
1: Oh, it's a steamy movie, all right. Not as much sex as I was actually expecting. Uh, like I said, like this is um, you know pretty common for the times. It was definitely a uh, a movie that was like seen as like, this is uh, the one to go to see if you wanna see a bunch of people naked, but like this seems pretty tame at the time. Um, William Hurt, so we could start a name. Uh, fucking amazing, I love William Hurt. Um, what would you say is like your go-to Hurt uh, performance?
0: Oh man, it's so interesting. Um, he's not like one of my favorite actors, but of course I know him in so many things. Um, I really loved him, and he, I thought he played like an interesting character in The Village. I know that's probably not like one of his most famous roles, but um, I, yeah, I actually yeah. did did love him in The Village. Um, I forgot about
1: that one.
0: And correct me if I'm wrong, but he's he's the guy from Dune as well, right?
1: Uh, the original Dune. You know, I've never. S- I know, neither have
0: I, that's why I'm saying I don't know, I'm trying to think about what his most popular film has been
1: Well, I mean, Broadcast News is definitely one of his uh, more popular uh, performances I think he may have won an Oscar for that one Um, For me, it's a uh, history of violence Um, His 10 minute drop at the end as uh, Viggo's brother is, and that was definitely nominated, he may have even won for that uh, performance, that is kind of my uh, perfect, uh, Lloyd Burt, uh, uh, performance, just it's certainly my favorite when he drops in, uh, in that movie, he just, he, he packs a wall up in such a short amount of time, uh, with Vigo. uh, so good, such a great David Conenberg for, and It's definitely on one that, uh, I would love to cover in
0: later soon. Cool. Yeah. I'm just looking at his filmography here and, um, there's a lot of, um, looks like, um, superhero movies uh he was in the hulk as well which i didn't know um but he, oh, he was in the, in the eric bannon the, the
1: pre-marvel oh right one, which, right, which, right, which right. I, I which i love the ang lee one uh, um,
0: he died in in march of 2022 last year yeah um and he's got one hell of a mustache in this film
1: oh it's okay, it's so great so the mustache so he is uh, uh a dope in This movie, like he's not like an overt uh dummy, but he's he, he plays. I mean, they start the movie talking about like um, so his um colleague played by Ted Danson, like just a year before um, cheers, cheers, perhaps, yeah. Um, he says a line, it's like, um, you're finally using your your um, uh, lack of intelligence to get ahead, or something like that. It almost sounded like he was doing it uh, purposely, but not really. So it's a like, He's kind of coming off of a, a legal malpractice uh and the way he carries himself he's certainly not uh like an overt um idiot or anything but he comes off as like um someone who could kind of easily take advantage of and that's when the, when i kind of noticed that i was like all right this guy's already the patsy in this movie i can already tell
0: right but there is like this hard-boiled like totally. component yeah. and, and probably which is why like because he's so hard headed is probably why he doesn't listen to any of the advice that he's getting right. but you but it's a kind of like yeah. a, a perfect mix of that and he plays it really right. well I think oh yeah. so
1: good. I mean what's uh this in mind um that uh Kathleen Turner maddie says um you're too you aren't too smart are you? I like that in a man. It's like when they're like courting like at the bar, I think when they were saying that and first kind of like having their tango um which just like uh, perfectly captures uh his kind of solo uh, vibe that he gives off so
0: yeah and he's got this really great scene where he has dinner with uh the man that he ends up killing uh Maddie's husband. yeah and that scene i thought he, i thought william hurt was so good in um he yeah let's play it like again because he's he can kind of play like the dummy that can you know totally get taken advantage of by kathleen turner but when he's at that dinner he's i feel like he's really playing her husband yeah. really well and that's um a credit to william hertz acting for sure
1: yeah i mean so you do believe so kathleen turner is like such a good uh, uh gives such a good performance in this and it was, it, it, halfway through it kind of blew my mind because i rewatched. um uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit a couple of weeks ago. And this, so this is basically uh, the uh, the movie that she did the performance from. It's like, it, she almost like duplicated uh, this performance in Body Heat for Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Wow. Um, it's, it's like to a T. It's like playing the same character, same kind of voice, same kind of vibe that she's doing, obviously, through car- a cartoon character, Roger Rabbit. But um, halfway through, I was like, God damn, this is exactly why she was hired as Jessica Rabbit you know, for that movie,
0: <laughs> you know. And the other thing about her is she's got such a great career. I mean, um, I think my favorite film of hers has got to be Serial Mom. I mean, I'm sure you love that too. John Waters, at his, like peak best, um, one of the that's definitely movies. on our list to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um. But what I was going to say
1: really quick, um, yeah, go ahead. she's so like alluring that like, that's why I feel like his character, uh, Ned, is is genuine in that scene, that you were, in that dinner scene that you were talking about. Like he is, he's not necessarily smart, but he's being led by lust in that scene. And he's going to take what uh, uh, it needs to be done to like trick his husband into thinking that everything's cool.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like that amazing scene where, like, uh, he kind of plays it a little bit like this where that scene in Royal Tannenbaum's where Richie Tannenbaum is on the, the roof and he's like, finds out, you know, <laughs> that uh, something, what was it? She, she, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was cheated on or, or what happened? He's like, what should we do? Should we get him? And <laughs> then he punches his hand through the window. Oh, right, So, right, right, like, right. an yeah. understated, like, jealousy and rage inside the character. But, like, the other characters don't know that like they care so much about this other person. I feel like that's got a little bit of that in that scene where he's at the table because he's just like he's he's being on his best game because he knows he wants to be with her.
1: So good. Richard Krina, which I really haven't seen him in anything other than like Ram the Rambo movies and Hotshots Part Judah which he plays the same exact character in that one and so it was actually awesome to see him because he was a uh character for many years before the random movie's just not really a lot a lot of tv and a lot of like tv movies it seems like so it's pretty awesome to see him like in this kind of noir style movie uh, outside of like a Sylvester Stallone action movie
0: yeah for sure and that's the thing is like when when you get into like these 80s kind of um decade movies you see some of those like reoccurring character actors come back like him and it, it, it you know it feels nice it's like oh awesome you know um, I really love that and I also love like these days if like there's like a really old version of them that like somebody like obviously was a fan of this like you know unknown oh, yeah. kind of character actor that you just saw pop up in every film and then they put them in like a newer film and like there's just some people in the audience that are like that guy I love that guy you know Oh, but go, going back to kathleen turner a little bit like that deep voice of hers, is so perfect for a noir movie and also like there's something about her in these early films where she's get. i think this was her um one of her first films if not the first film where she kind of like blew onto the scene and yeah I, she's not she's a different kind of beauty you know she's not like this um She's got some danger in her, I guess is the point. and it is alluring, you know what I mean? It's like this is something I shouldn't be a part of, but it just draws you in more and more, and she's perfect for that. Um, did you ever see the Romancing the Stone films?
1: I saw Romancing the Stone. I almost saw it again at the music box, not that long ago when they did this meccas um, uh, series. Oh, that's
0: um, right, that's the yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing about, I mean, again, that's why they did Semeckis, because he's been like so in, ubiquitous and like in the helm of like so many big movies uh, for 40 years. Um, but his name is not always like the first thing you attach to those movies. Um, it's been so long uh, since I've seen him. I saw him in like high school, maybe even middle school
0: i can like feel it right now um having like the taped versions off of the television and like <laughs> yeah, the vhs's right. oh, man we we i used to watch those all the time and it's been a while too since i've seen them. but there was like jewel denial romance in the stone i don't know if it was a trilogy or not maybe just two films but anyway she was freaking awesome in those and so was uh michael douglas and, and like such a weird like he's like an adventurer guy you know yeah um and I really, really loved her from those. And of course, like I said, uh, Serial Mom. But seeing her in this, I had like, a, I, uh, I don't know. We talked about this, I guess, a couple episodes ago when you, we were talking about Body Double and you were mistaking it for this title. So maybe that's like, the thing is, this kind of gets like lost in the mix of all these things because it's got Body Heat, Body Double. And when I saw the name, I think I was just like, oh, I, I got to see this. I remember you, you mentioning that you had seen a little bit of it. And I'm so glad I did, because like Kathleen Turner, I had kind of forgotten a little bit about what she's been doing and what she's been up to and how much I really loved her as an actress. And now that I've seen this, I'm like even more like, damn, I got to check out more movies she's been in.
1: Yeah, no, so this is her first movie, uh, first film. She's on a TV series before that, but uh, this is her first one. And yeah, she's got that husky kind of voice. Very, I mean, super sexy. She's hot as hell in this movie. Um, I was wondering, so she's like full on naked on some parts, but they do have some close ups. So I was wondering if they were using like stunt butts, uh, which is not an unheard of thing uh, right. for a long time. So yeah, I uh, was wondering if that was going on for her, both of them, actually. Um, yeah, no, she, I mean, it makes sense, um, like I said, using Zemeckis, using her for um rabbit because like, she just embodies this role like so perfectly and she is like like i said i even i could even tell that he was being set up but not necessarily directly by her like that's how good she is like it's yeah like, she's uh, so obvious that she is the one uh orchestrating everything the whole time once you watch the whole movie but even if you, you kind of like knowing that in front of your mind at the beginning it's like she's still so convincing especially with the I mean, the sex scenes and everything that uh, she's uh, uh, doing to kind of entrap him. It seems genuine.
0: You're right. So this femme fatale character, I mean, she gets him. He is drawn in and he's all in on killing her husband, which she does. But he says, let's not be greedy. We can get away with this if we do it the right way. But then he gets to the um, will, the the reading of the will. And there's that great scene where the guy's like, of the lawyers is like does anybody mind if i if i smoke and everybody in the room lights up because everybody it's like the tension is so so thick uh love that scene that was so (laughs) well written and so well done
1: i was cracking up when they did that slow pan and everybody's uh nestling into their smoke they're like oh shit we're gonna be here for a while talking about this death and the consequences of it (laughs) right and then i
0: love the fact that they make William Hurt's character tell her like this basically means that you inherit all of it and none of his family is going to get any of it. It right. was so such a great little thing to like add a little bit of the uh twist of the knife, you know. She's that... like, "Oh, I'm going to get everything?" That's <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> and that's the thing is William Hurt knows if that happened, it's going to look, you know, it's going to be red flagged and it is, of course. Yeah. So then he leaves basically the courtroom and goes back and then he's got good old uh, Sam Malone from Cheers, uh, that, who, who has already had one of one of his beers from the fridge, of course, um, sitting there waiting to tell him, like, yo, what are you in? A, you know, you're in some trouble if you're involved with her. Uh,
1: his line, someday your dick is going to lead you into a very big hassle. Uh, <laughs> it kind of sets up uh, the entire movie itself right there. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, the first half is like, yeah, he's 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 he was led pretty easily into um considering murder, uh just for this woman that he happens to be banging at the time. So
0: yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I will tell you that by that point, you know, as an audience member, you're you still don't really I mean you pretty much figure that he is like, you know, in trouble, but you're not sure they're gonna get caught. You're not not sure how it's gonna play out. It's 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 actually the end half of the film is pretty does a pretty well, good job of keeping you on the edge of your seat i'd say
1: yeah yeah totally like i like i said like i felt pretty early on that he was uh gonna get um the blame for something uh but it definitely went in a lot of different directions uh than i uh, uh was not expecting so and that's the thing it's like i've talked about this it's like i don't plot movies that are like only plot like it just doesn't Always, it's not always like the first thing I look for in watching a movie, but like when you have a movie like this where the performances are so good, and it's more of like um, the vibe rather than the actual uh, plot uh, mechanics uh, that gives you um, uh, everything that you need to know. Like that's that's what I love about it. So.
0: And I always love like in films when there's like these little things that they add on to the characters that you just know are like their things and like it's kind of like a little like fun thing and that that happens with um, uh, Ted Danson's character whenever he goes into that diner they like give him two iced teas you know like they know him like it it just it just gives like the audience the understanding that like these guys go here all the time and like this is like the kind of guy he is that he like always has to have two of these and um, that was just those are just like little moments in movies that I love. Just so well done, like kind of adding to the character and how cool they are.
1: It's so fucking hot that he needs two iced teas. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and they're obviously adding <laughs> right. to the fact that like you can't feel the heat. So like they're doing whatever they can to let you know it's really fucking hot here. Um, and he even says, William Hurt says to the little girl who <laughs> that's, a, that's a crazy scene. There's a little girl that like walks in. Like, you know, there is two instances where people find out, in Kathleen Turner's world that she's having an affair most likely. And one is the little girl of like her best friend. Right. And she sees him having sex. And then there's that scene where he's like, I'm sorry, it's so hot in our town for you. Uh, when he sees her again and like, it's obvious, like this little girl has seen me boning Kathleen Turner. And then the other one is when he comes to the back of the gazebo and he tells that girl's mother, um, what does he say he says something like uh i don't know something like you take off your clothes or something she turns around and is like oh okay you guys are fucking but like <laughs> you know you thought I was mistakes? no yeah, so that's mistakes.
1: that's the um that's the double right that was her friend that they switched right uh, sorry life. yeah the, yes yeah. exactly yeah yeah he walks up to her he's like hey we should fuck and yeah she just turns around he's like holy shit sorry for yeah. saying that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like now
0: i feel like a jerk
1: well he's well hey, that's a perfect example of like he's being um you know you know he's 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 being himself but also like he's just kind of a dummy he even says to himself like, i gotta be more careful with this shit if i'm gonna be uh having sex with this uh a married woman uh, in this state."
0: but then like that's the same thing as like he tells like his friends who are basically gonna bust him like and he knows he's like walking the razor's edge he's like i'm gonna keep going over there right, right. maybe maybe i'll get lucky and she'll fuck me to death <laughs> <laughs> great line
1: uh his dick is leading him to a very big hassle uh as as dancing warned him,
0: very much so. yeah it's cool to see ted dancing in that role he is uh it's because you know you know how big of an actor is i mean ted dancing these days like Every time you turn on the television, I feel like you're going to see him in something, you know, like there was a, there was a while there for like the last 10 years where he was in like everything.
1: Uh, You got to remind me. Yeah. What has he, he's been doing a lot of like um, TV work, right?
0: I mean, he's doing a a ton. Yes. And a lot of stuff with uh, HBO, like um, what was that show? I can't remember the name of it, but he did it with Jason Schwartzman. The
1: the Schwartzman uh, Galifianakis, yeah. Yeah. Bored, Bored to death, right?
0: Yep. And then I did he watch was, some of that. Yeah. He was also I mean, in Fargo, uh, well, I say season one or season two. Then he was also in. Uh,
1: um, I haven't kept up with that. He's he's always popped up in Curb. Every once yes, in Curb, of, curved, the of last course. 20 years. So that's yeah. where I've kind of kept up with him. But yeah, it's, but yeah uh, he's
0: always kind of just making an appearance somewhere. And I love it. It's like, he kind of. I feel like he just kind of does what he wants, you know, and somebody approaches him with something cool. He's like, all right, I'll do it, you know?
1: I mean, he's got like a, a like, good place He's like a long-running sitcom it seems like he was on like csi i thought he did like something with csi for a while for a couple of years so oh, a bunch of years and it's like yeah he's been doing like cbs uh tv which i was thinking about the other day when you look at the numbers the amount of people who still watch like cbs and like csi and all those shows it's like Astounding like how many people still watch those movies that those uh, stations and those shows. It's like you never hear anybody talking about that. It's just like an example of a like disconnect of like social media and online uh, discussions about stuff.
0: I'm it's glad like you brought that n- nobody's up. Nobody's like yeah. watching
1: CSI and going on Twitter and talking about it,
0: right? It's kind of like um basic television stations now, yeah. right? Like just like your basic five nine two right. seven, it's like the,
1: the, the large older population who would still have cable those those are the uh people balking up those numbers across well so
0: uh after we watched um six feet under my like fifth time watching the series and my girlfriend's first she was telling me she's like oh i was like looking up all the characters finally i get to like look at what everybody's been doing so i don't have any spoilers and then she was mentioning that uh um, peter Krause has been on like the number one television show on either nbc or whatever that cop show and i was like like that's the number one show and he's she's like yeah it is a cop show isn't it yeah i knew it
1: was on something either as like a firefighter or a cop um i've definitely never seen it but that's the number one show like
0: that's what she said Mm -hmm.
1: i mean yeah but there's probably a lot of different metrics like time slots and days and whatnot but I, i believe it it's like that's the thing it's like uh the amount of tv shows that do get produced for normal well because we would
0: say so. peter Krause. yeah we heard he was on some like you know television show as a police officer and you know but yeah it's on like basic cable <laughs> yeah, we don't right. watch it but uh, yeah but number one show it's like awesome you know and because we love peter Krause, of course we love nate fisher oh
1: my god
0: so great so back uh, to body heat i mean you so you're you're a fan you like this film
1: i loved it I had such a great time watching it, and it was because like I was so in on it instantly because I was familiar with it, and and like I said, if i get familiar with Cadsim. Uh, like like I mentioned, the Big Chill is really great, um, and I was definitely aware that he was uh, the writer for like Raiders and Empire and um, and the newer Star Wars as well. So. I was really interested in seeing it. And yeah, I did I, I knew it had some sort of Hitchcock um illusion. And so once it started, I was like, oh, this is pretty clearly double insanding. And then that's what I, I was really in on it, like thinking like, well, this is definitely a movie that Darren uh was all in on and that's why i was surprised that you had not seen it before
0: well that's like why i kind of mentioned us covering this it's it's been a while since the two of us have watched a movie that we both hadn't seen don't you think i mean when's the last time we've covered a film we where we're have, just we kind of like reaction films of the first time seeing it um
1: like elvis is the only other one that i can think of with us doing that because like all the movies that we i mean kind of the point of podcast is like showing the shit that we like and want other people to see. So yeah, we really haven't seen uh, too much that neither of us
0: have watched. But you're right, as soon as I got into it, I was like, man, this feels so Hitchcock, this feels so dumb, this feels so noir. And of course, that's like my favorite genre. So I was really, really into it. Um, I I was very satisfied with the way that it ended. Of course, like spoiler alert um, for anybody who's watching uh, or listening and does not want to know, you can turn off right now, but um, William Hurt ends up going to jail But he's sitting there thinking about it. You know, how did she get away with this? How did she do it? And the ending is pretty satisfying because it also leads it up to us. Like, did she really like William Hurt, you know? And she got away with it. Yeah, she's on an island with some, you know, boy toy or whatever. And she switched her name with uh, the person from high school. And he found out when he got the yearbook in jail. And he's like, oh, so that's how she did it. But of course, nobody's listening to him and nobody cares about him because he's in jail. So he's rotting away. But she got away with it. But is she really happy? It seems like she's almost in a jail of herself. Um, The way that she reacts in the ending of the film, I I kind of really liked the way that this ended. It was kind of satisfying for me because I didn't really know if she felt like, wow, I got away with it and now I'm happy. I I felt like she got away with it and now she's like, but I really liked William Hurt and now there's no chance for that.
1: Uh, Yeah, they definitely leave the end shot of her looking pretty
0: miserable. Yeah. Um,
1: So, yeah, it's definitely, I believe she had feelings for him, but at the same time, it's like.
0: She has feelings for all that money, too. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's my pessimistic uh, view on it, but like, I mean, she's her plan went off uh, more than perfectly. I still find it pretty fucking hilarious that, like, so the way she initiated the meeting was hearing through a friend um, about Ned that this, he was just kind of like this. Um, kind of terrible lawyer who suffered from legal malpractice and that's why she chose him to like she targeted him because she knew this was somebody who I could kind of seduce and then when it comes to doing the lawyer work for the will he's probably going to be doing it wrong uh, which led to her uh, owning everything in the uh, in, in the inheritance Right. And so it's like I love that like that's such like uh, out on a limb thing. It's like, oh well, this guy's not that great of a warrior, so hopefully he'll fuck up at the right time, <laughs> which will <laughs> yeah, result in me a getting big everything. Hope. Yeah, right, it's a big right, hope right. there. Yeah. Unless there was something in the plot that I missed, but like that seemed to be the crux because she knew about the Gorson case, I think he called it, which was his legal malpractice. Um, and that's what kind of led her to target him in the first place. So right. Like,
0: And that's why I said when we started talking about this that he's kind of like not down on his luck, but he's just kind of like an average Joe that just, you know, it hasn't hasn't had a lot of luck. He's just kind of slinking by in life and doing the best he can. Uh, But he's got, for some reason, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, uh, which kind of unwarranted.
1: I fucking loved the yearbook at the end. Yeah. Uh, So so he gets the letter um, and it's the high school yearbook for the uh, Wheaton Cougars. And the opening of the letter says, here is the Wheaton Cougar you asked about. <laughs> it's like, okay, Kathleen yeah. Turner is yeah, the Cougar he's asking about, I guess now. Um, but yeah, so he looks up and he sees the friend, which is uh, under Maddie's name. So he he sees that they switch names. And um, when he gets Kathleen Turner's picture and her um, quote and everything, they, they call her the fan, which is another name for a fam, femme fatale yeah uh, like, like that's either her own nickname in high school or something that they gave her her friends and then her quote is to be rich uh or where do you where do you see yourself in the future to be rich and live on an exotic island cut to yeah. her living on an exotic island.
0: exactly like, like it's, it's like it's exactly got exactly what she wanted yeah, yeah.
1: it's like almost like eye rolling but it like works so fucking great you're like
0: right that. it's like you want to like, roll your eyes but you're like god damn it it's great you know no it definitely works
1: it's fucking great but i like that once the the switch i instantly had the thought of like the doubles like the, the double which is like a, a constant hitchcock uh theme uh and just noir in general so I, the, the two blondes and like especially when he walks like that scene we mentioned when he walks up to the other girl and he's evil the mistake is so her, it's like oh that's going to be the switch right there There's going to be something uh with those two characters
0: yeah really well done um and yeah, I'm sorry, I bone that Lawrence Kasdan uh, directed Star Wars, but he directed this film. And I thought the direction was actually done really well. There's, I like kind of like that end scene where it is on her and then it kind of like pans up. And then you see like the credits roll. I don't know. Back in the 80s, I think that was kind of like nobody was really doing stuff like that, you know? I
1: mean, the best directed scene, uh, or at least one of my favorite scenes, is like that first uh, when they first uh needs at her out when they're um when he finally breaks through the the window to like and then they start to fuck for the first time that was it's great like, just like the whole scene of leading up to it so he goes they they go back to her house together she kicks him out uh um, he stands at his car just looking at the house he walks back in and she's just standing there like in the middle of her own house just looking out the window <laughs> and he's going I from know. like window to window like like a like a fucking like tiger like about to attack her and then he decides to just break the fucking window with uh, a chair and i i was dying laughing was so i know
0: it's like a little like unnecessary drama there but i guess what they're trying to do is like she's playing with him so that like i'm yeah. so, I'm gonna make oh, totally. him want it so bad that he can't like fucking help himself he's got to break through the fucking door or break the window and yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. He breaks the fucking window. You know he's just inside like a second yeah, ago.
1: <laughs> it's so great. It's like she kicks him out. Um and 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 she is it, it was, I forget what he says, but like uh, she kisses him and he's like, Oh, I'm just weak, and then closes the door on him. It's like, oh that's a perfect setup. <laughs> totally. Yeah, really. And
0: he's got a by the way, a kick-ass car too. Uh it's like some kind of like red convertible. It's like adds so much to this like neo-noir feel
1: that's the thing he's got this kick-ass car kick-ass mustache i mean he fucking it looks awesome in this movie and it's it's definitely very believable that uh the first half of this movie is he's just having this uh hot steamy affair with Kathleen turner looking
0: great yeah totally well i mean I really don't have too much else to say about this film other than I just loved it. If you're out there and you haven't seen the film, you'll enjoy it. I mean, there's no doubt this movie has a lot to enjoy. Um, And let's just say you want to have a really good time watching two people fuck around. uh, You know, this movie is for you. It also has all of those good Hitchcock uh, and double indemnity old noir feels that uh, I love, especially. And so like, it's it's weird because i feel like those films can't like really exist anywhere than like the 40s you know but mm, they obviously yeah. do and it's just weird for me sometimes going to see a movie in the 80s thinking like oh this is kind of like what if this was a movie in the 40s though it would be so fucking perfect you know it's like exactly that kind of a style and so you know it could be like gloria graham playing playing that you know kathleen turner role
1: yeah, you am just thinking of like them doing this in like the '80s for like Hitchcock is basically us. uh Anybody making a movie referencing John Carpenter now?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: basically. And I've, I'm I, I truly believe John Carpenter will only rise in um, influence and uh, prominence over the next fifty years. I think his name will be on the level of Hitchcock, uh, purely for the influence and what he's done for like thrillers and horror and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I just, I see that uh, to be the case. Uh, I think that's how strong he, and influential his movies have been, so.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I, I think that, you know, the way that you look at his filmography and everything, and then the fact that he has kind of stopped making films, it's kind of like he knows the kind of films he wanted to make and he's done that. And I don't think he could make those kind of films anymore. Like the world has changed a lot, you know? Kind of like seeing uh the other day scorsese had like put in his story that francis ford coppola was on instagram and of course like i clicked on it and wanted to follow it and I thought it was always interesting his like first post was just a picture of him as an it's like an you know older man and he's like to be elder it was like a post about being elderly and what's great about being elderly is that you can tell stories like your grandpa did or, you know like through the family and because he's got a new film coming out so i'm sure that's why they're doing it um but like I don't know, I, what would John Carpenter, what would John Carpenter film be like now? You know, would it have impact? I don't know. I
1: mean, it really doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's his heyday in the '80s and early '90s. Uh, I mean, he's on record; like he's he doesn't even want to make a movie. Like he just doesn't like the um, uh, process of filmmaking anymore. He's 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 a perfect old man grump these days. That he's, but he still is like fully dedicated to like fans and everybody uh, that uh, uh love his movies so he's like still engaged he just doesn't want the hassle of being on a set directing a movie anymore so yeah totally <laughs> which which is like there's something he did it's like yeah I'm not gonna do a good job so I'm just not gonna do it so
0: I mean I guess that's kind of what Tarantino's been saying, you know, with this next movie coming up. Um yeah Tarantino is
1: more of the I think the, he's seeing it as like a history. Like I I he's he believes in himself. I I think if he if he wanted to make more movies, he would be like, Yeah, I'm gonna make great fucking movies. But I think he's just more of looking at it from like a 50 year lens. Like, what are people what is my legacy gonna be in fifty years? I think oh, that's he's his, acutely
0: aware of that for yeah, sure. Um, he's,
1: I think that's his driving um I saw some uh, pushback uh, on him like a lot of people like accusing him of like, like cowering uh, as an artist because he, he's not going to make any more movies or something and it's just like is like such a horrible take like because they were like claiming like oh he just doesn't want to be uh, he doesn't want to risk making a bad movie it's like his entire career has been one risk mm-hmm. after another his entire like everything he's done has been a risk and just because he doesn't want to actually make movies anymore he's going to be making art in all other mediums uh like writing and stage and whatnot so uh, right you don't just
0: like stop being an artist maybe you just stop using right. that medium which exactly. is exactly making you yeah. tell your stories and uh you're right it's risk after risk and that's why his films are so fucking great i watched uh once upon a time in hollywood uh two days ago three days ago oh yeah, yeah. you know for like the 20th time come on i mean
1: there's there's a kind of a contrary there's a lot of people who do not like tarantino which is fine but like they push back on him i think largely because of his personality and also the uh just how kind of generally um um adored most of his films are so you know you're always going to have like that natural pushback so to get likes especially in the age of social media so
0: But that's the thing is like Tarantino's eccentric, his eccentricity has always been there. It's not like this is new. He's been fucking fuck you if you don't like this and what I'm saying. Fuck you, you know this is the way I am. And you know, autograph hounds outside trying to get his shit. He's like, fuck off, you know, like it kind of like uh, your favorite director did the other day when uh you know Avatar came out. And everyone's like, Yeah, James Cameron didn't sign autographs, and he just put his middle finger up out the window of his car. It's like fuck you. I guys. didn't
1: I didn't see it. I gotta look that up. Oh, like, dude, it's what, so this good. Is what I'm saying. this is why I need you as my TMZ um. <laughs> Uh, source because I'll, um, I'll, I'll,
0: I 100% I'll... saw it on TMZ <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> exactly.
1: so I'm looking I'm always researching James Cameron's career but not his uh, paparazzi interaction so that's why I need you to to, give that to me. Man, <laughs> yeah. I, went, I was out at a cafe and I swear to God um, there was a guy who looked just like Cameron I almost took a picture uh, of him it wasn't him but like this, this guy he looked almost uh, like his twin no just who? some random guy at a cafe I was uh, sitting there
0: looked at looked like who though i didn't miss james cameron oh james cameron he looked
1: just like him. i was like dude guy. by the
0: way what film uh, first reformed I, I think i forgot to say it like the guy who's like fixes the organ or whatever in that film like by the way everyone listening out there we uh, covered first reformed last week uh so if you want to go back and watch but that's what i'm referring to when we were talking about first reformed in the film there's a guy that looks just like james fucking cameron and i thought for sure i'm like Pat picked this film because James Cameron like made a made up cameo in it. Right. Do you know the guy I'm talking about?
1: I mean, I know the organ scene when they're fixing the organ. And you're saying one of those guys looks like James Cameron? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not gonna look it up now, but like it, 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 definitely not him, I would assume so. Um, but I'll definitely have to rewatch that part. So it's hilarious.
0: Well, yeah, anyway. Um Any,
1: uh, last thoughts on Body Heat. Ebert put it on his top 10 of the year when it came out.
0: Oh, he did in 81, huh?
1: Yeah. Oh, I actually got, all right, maybe we can kind of close it with this. I got a quote, uh, a back and forth from Pauline Kale and Roger Ebert when the movie came out. Okay, so, I
0: can't wait for this. Let's hear it.
1: Pauline Kale, she didn't like it. Uh, she dismissed it, citing, "quote, insinuating its insinuating, hotted-up dialogue that it would be fun to hoot at if only the husband sleepwalking manner of the film, or the hushed sleepwalking manner of the film, didn't make you cringe or yawn." <laughs> Let's <laughs> think about Kip. Uh, like, well, film criticism in, for gen, in general, but like especially Kale. It's like the 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 poetic prose uh, that you had with uh, the the. Um, film critics back then. This is why Tarantino was part of the movie.
0: One hundred percent. And by the way, we should probably end every single like one of these um, you know, episodes of Remainders with what Pauline Kale <laughs> had to say had if to she, say about the film, you know?
1: she stopped covering movies in like the early nineties. So for every movie pre-90 that we do, we could definitely do that. Yeah. So that was her response. And um like I said, Eber put it in his top ten of that year and he responded um in print. Uh, to her. So he said, yes, Lawrence Kendrick's Body Heat is aware of the films that inspired it, especially Billy Wilder's Double Indemnity, but it has a power that transcends its sources. It exploits the personal style of its stars to insinuate itself. Kale is unfair to Turner, who in her debut role played a woman so sexually confident that we can believe her lover, William Byrd, could be dazed into doing almost anything for her. The moment we believe that, the movie stops being an exercise and starts working. It's like, boom, mic drop from Ebert talking to Kale.
0: <laughs> Dude, I love the Ebert mic drops. My favorite, I mean, one of the most like iconic is the one with Vincent Gallo. You know that one, right?
1: I know that they he hated Brown Bunny, and then there was like a back and forth. Do you remember? Constantly.
0: Do you remember what the quote was from Ebert? Uh, I do. He said something about
1: Gallo said something about his weight. And then he was something about like, yeah, I'll still be fat and you'll still have always made a terrible. No, he said
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah, basically. But he said that was it, yeah, brown bunny got screened and he I think Tore it apart. Or, you know, didn't like it. Yeah. You gave it like and, zero uh, stars. Yeah. yeah. And Vincent Gallows like went off on a tirade and just said, like, you're a fucking fat fuck, like obsolete. You know, you know, I I am paraphrasing, but it was definitely about his weight. He, he, yeah, he hit totally. him with about his weight. And then Ebert goes, Yeah, I may be fat, but I can always lose weight. You'll always be the director of Brown bunny. <laughs> 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 oh Ooh. man, Ebert, you know, Ooh. so good. Um Anyway, this movie's great. Loved it. Mickey Rourke, by the way, awesome. Uh, young Rourke, pre, I think, boxing in his way to surgeries. Um, really great role. If and seen, good cast.
1: What's, what's his, um, The Pope of Greenwich Village? You've yeah, never he's seen in that. that. He's I've like, never also seen... in that
0: uh, Angel Heart or, yeah. Uh, i forget but anyway yeah he was in a lot of movies back then that he was like a heartthrob you know so i've always heard Pope, uh
1: is very good but i've never checked it out so sure uh,
0: actually to be honest with you i don't think i've seen it either um okay. i know the name of course but yeah
1: because i should watch more because the, the wrestler is is that's certainly my favorite movie so good um from um, the director is escaping me right now but
0: that's uh my favorite movie of his
1: darren aronofsky aronofsky um oh. Yeah, that's definitely way up there cuz that I've I've watched and rewatched that movie so many times. Like I was saying last week with like kind of um first forms like that type of character study is just like that's like what I I fucking I'm so um attracted to. Like I just I, I, that's the, that's the type of vibe that I, I just really get on board with in film in general among yeah. other things, but like those are just the the ones that I can watch and rewatch over and
0: over. Randy the Ram after I watched uh, The Whale um which was excellent it's like basically I the same haven't thing seen. oh okay sorry yeah. but yeah no, you need to you need to fucking yeah. see it it's great um it's a lot like The Wrestler in that way so I think you'll enjoy it but um The Wrestler after we watched The Whale my girlfriend had never seen it and she just she just loved it I mean she loved it and uh Darren Aronofsky like those two films fucking rule everything else to me I don't know I like Black Swan um <laughs> Oh, yeah. i remember
1: back in the day you being ambivalent about him
0: yeah um, uh, yeah it was like that was definitely suncoast days he was making like pie and requiem for a dream those those are the the films that you know we 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 were around in the right. movie store talking about
1: i mean i could see yeah i could see being ambivalent about that but, um, i think it's fucking great like even his like crazy movies that, nobody like like mother i had like such a great time watching that movie it was Dude, so really? off the wall oh yeah uh, I, it was great i don't okay. think i'm gonna watch it again but uh, hard
0: disagree there <laughs> like I, said, I don't think
1: i'm gonna watch it again but uh i definitely enjoyed the experience <laughs> of it. it was a one-timer but um, i definitely liked what he was going for there, yeah
0: so. especially when the baby gets tossed around at the end right yeah i'm sure that was like the your favorite part i mean that's fucking hard to watch that's right hard to watch that's
1: the Um, i'm here for yeah bonkers
0: (laughs) it is bonkers for sure but anyway body heat great film uh Thanks for watching it with me. The first time watch and everybody out there, let us know what you think in the comments here. We're on YouTube usually where you can see us visually. And then we're also on every podcast host that you could possibly have for free. All you got to do is check it out. And if you're looking for a place and you don't know where to go, go to remainderspod.com and you can find everything there. You've got all the social media. I've been kind of amping up our social media a little bit. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, with the trip to the Hollywood Museum the other day.
1: Well, you looked like, I was so jealous. It looked like such an awesome time. Uh, There were so many good exhibits that I'm sure you were just like, fuck, yeah.
0: Well, the one thing I didn't send you because I didn't want to go crazy, but like even Marianne said when we were there, she's like, do not fucking take photos this whole time like i couldn't help myself you know she's like she's like but don't send pat like every single photo that you have in your thing <laughs> and so then i had the idea i'm like well i'll make a reel about it so you can kind of see it but the one photo i didn't send you was they had this like amazing photo of leslie nielsen as you know vampire and i was like oh why didn't i send pat this instead of the jason goes to hell uh, mask <laughs>
1: uh yeah, both would have been totally So I'm glad, I'm happy you opted for the final Friday one, which is a, which is a great Friday, uh, the thirteenth movie, and um, yeah, that looked pretty awesome. But uh, I mean, yeah. every one of them would have been applicable. That uh, Back to the Future uh, one looked pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, totally. You know, it's cool because I think like the more and more out here, I I always do stuff that's that has to do with the movies. Obviously, that's why we do this podcast. We love the movies, and it's um one of the great passions of our lives and, you know, things that make us happy, um, happiest, I should say. And they, you know, there's always something I'm doing that has to do with the movie. So I just kind of made this a uh, decision that like in between our episodes, whenever I like post about it or whatever, maybe to get some new people interested and understand uh, what we do and who we are, maybe I can post some of those things to like, you know, let them see something that might, uh, Excite them the way that we're excited about, like museums and locations, and then find out about our podcast that way. So, hopefully, that'll work. And uh, it's done that, that reel did better than any of the other stuff I've ever posted. So, we'll see.
1: Yeah, it didn't have our other phases on it. So, uh, people are more (laughs) excited to to check it out a little bit. So,
0: totally. But anyway, yeah, that was fun. And then this uh, tomorrow, going uh, up the hill in Griffith Park to the Greek Theater to see. Lost Boys. Oh so picnic good. Nick out, Lost Boys in the park with my lady. I mean can't fucking beat it, dude. I mean, really.
1: I saw that maybe 10 years ago at a screening that uh Corey Feldman uh appeared for. So I think it was at What's that dining, what's that dining uh, theater in the Burbs? Oh, near uh, Hollywood
0: Boulevard. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. I yeah. saw
1: it there with Corey Feldman from uh, premiering. Again, so. I saw Back to the Great. Future
0: there with Christopher Lloyd. Emma, Emma, uh, uh, what's, uh, is it Emma Thompson who played? Uh, Leah, Leah. Leah Thompson, Leah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, both of them were there. Uh, no Michael J. Fox, but they were raising money for Michael J. Fox's thing. By the way, did we talk about the Michael J. Fox documentary yet?
1: Uh, yeah, we mentioned, uh, we both watched it last week, sharing That's right. our thoughts on it and how great it was and how, how illuminating it was on his life and, and, and the grind that is his life, but how he still managed to keep his voice alive.
0: Uh, you're right. And I remember we talked pretty in-depth about it. And yes, uh, excellent. Uh, I would, you know, if you happen to have the Apple um, streaming service, Check it out because I think it's only on Apple right now, or I guess in the select theaters, right? You saw it at the Cisco.
1: Yeah, I did. I'm having a, I'm, I'm just, my memory's just going really quick. Uh, just flashbacks to that theater. I got to look for it. I have a picture uh, that I had signed. I said to, I uh, went to a Reservoir Dog screening um, at Hollywood Boulevard, and
0: Michael Madsen,
1: Michael Madsen, and Carradine were both there. And I had something signed oh. from oh. both of them it was before Carradine's death, obviously. And um, I have not seen that piece uh for years so i should probably do some uh searching through whatever uh few uh, boxes i have similarly me,
0: um, so. uh there was a stand-up that w- went with a dvd at suncoast when back to the future came out i think the trilogy actually came out at the same time or it's like you could buy all three and the, i still have the dvd obviously i always talk about it it's in my brother's attic but um there was a stand-up and i got to usually you could get to take those things home or we just trash them at the end um Oh, we well,
1: fought over those uh, i know i have indiana jones still yeah,
0: like i have an this. indiana jones cut out <laughs> yes we fought over those for sure yeah probably dumpster dived half of them because you weren't allowed to take them out sometimes um but the uh back to the future one that has christopher lloyd and the, the out of time thing and they're looking it was just like them two oh, right. and it was at the uh, topper i had christopher lloyd sign that at Ooh. the yeah, in 2010,
1: that's when I oh, went there. Yeah, that's so great. Oh, what a treat. And, and man, speaking of who framed Roger but that's a fucking crazy performance that Lloyd gives in that movie. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, like, that guy is iconic.
1: Yeah, but it, it was like, it was so dark. Like, I, it was one of those examples of like 80s movies uh, for kids. Like, they did not give a fuck uh, like what nightmares they were going to be inducing in children watching. Because some of those scenes, it's like, you don't see anything like that that would uh, be uh, uh, pushed for uh, as like dude, kid's Little anything.
0: monsters and shit like that, yeah. you know, like stuff that's like specifically geared for kids like scary as shit. You well, know, Re-
1: Return to Oz is always I think one of the quintessential where it's like, that's pure nightmare fodder. And it was like just 100% produced for kids. And... dude,
0: Even like never ending story. It's like, yeah. dude, fucking yeah. horse you know um, what the, f- the most oh.
1: heartbreaking scene uh yeah seeing uh, a, a tree
0: yeah that's um, what i'm saying these fucking dies in quicksand thank uh, god they bring him back at the end when falcor is flying around otherwise i would have cried the entire and <laughs> half of that movie um, oh man yeah some great stuff back in uh, our youth um
1: no bumpers for the kids back in the day
0: so no no, tr- <laughs> no trigger warnings either you just kind of you saw what you saw right
1: well there's some major damage right there roll on <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why we've turned out the way we have. Huh? Right, 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 right. Um, okay. What else is going on? Awesome. Anything cool? So I'm going to see Lost Boys. You got anything going on in your life that's uh, worth talking about?
1: I mean, my whole life, love it. Uh, living the dream. Uh, yeah. I saw Halloween last week, which was a great show. Oh, January right. Fall. Um, awesome at the Riv. Um, the only thing that kind of really was a bummer is the amount of fucking phones that are just at shows these days i mean it was kind of an older crowd but like there were some parts in the show where it's like half the people are like have their phone up like videotaping like
0: um, you know what happens to all of those it's either like okay maybe somebody like legitimately is like an influencer and like you know uses that or something but half of those more than half of those go nowhere people forget that they're they're there but they just want to like capture the moment instead you know it just goes in their phone to the like the weird ether well, yeah, I, I
1: picture most people kind of recording it be like, oh, I want to remember this. But it's like it's so insane to like just kind of take an overview of like a crowd and just the amount of people who are watching the show through their phone. It's, uh, it, it's not only I mean, it's a little distracting. Uh, like Yeah, to anybody like, else
0: who's just trying to watch. Right. Yeah, <laughs> But then it's
1: also like, I don't know how, how much you're actually engaged with the show itself uh, with that. So I don't know.
0: There's one time uh, I tell the story really quickly and then we can get on to uh, some other stuff, but, um, I played a show in um, the UK, uh, gosh. Uh, Oh, oh, the name escapes me of the town that we're in or the city or whatever, but, um, there's like nine people there, right. You know, not many people (laughs) We're the opening band and we're playing. And as I'm playing the whole thing, there's a guy like straight up on me, like, right in the front he's and you know this was like just, the stage was like maybe this big so there's like not a lot of like room i'm not like uh, on a pedestal i'm like basically at eye level almost with this uh folks in the crowd and he's literally like this close to me but he's on his phone and i i, I dude i am rocking my shit like playing you know doing what i do uh and he's if you haven't like, seen
1: darren in live alive, uh, i attest that he <laughs> he's rocks his shit so.
0: yeah yeah this Thank God you're here to like people know that I do sometimes, but yeah. So going, going a little crazy and doing my thing and he's on his phone and he's looking at it and not looking up and like (laughs) right in front of me. So I'm like looking, I don't see his face at all. He's buried in his phone. And at one point at the end of the song, I said, what's going on? Anything cool going on there or whatever? And he was so embarrassed. I was like, what do you think? No, one's going to notice you. You're right up against me here. Like no, one's going to know. Like, I don't know. Well,
1: I'm certain, you said there were only like a handful of people in the in the whole yeah.
0: venue. Yeah, and, I mean, he, not nine. I even like thirty people. But it was like you okay. know lighter than most shows that we've played. You know, but like you so if
1: there's that if there's that many people, the, the, the dudes, anybody sitting like standing right up front are pretty like visible to everybody in the whole venue. Well, right?
0: what I kind of figured is that like you know uh, we were playing with a band called medina lake that was the headliner and i have a feeling that that guy was just trying to get a spot you know and he didn't know right. who the hell okay i that line bitch was <laughs> so he's probably just like waiting there for the band to play but like he's on his phone i'm like he's fucking rude as hell like here i am trying to entertain you and uh you know you're not even gonna give us a chance i get it if we suck but you know shit Maybe we yeah. did suck. I don't know. I can't. I can't. No,
1: it sounds like you handled that perfectly. I mean, if you can uh, publicly uh, shame somebody just in a little a uh, uh, way, it's usually the best tactic. So.
0: Yeah, I never. I didn't knock the phone down or anything, so I just did that. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> all right. Well, hey. So before we get into the song pick of the week, do you mind if I do a little self plugging?
1: I mean. Uh... Of course. I mean, that's what I try to it? do all the time. So, um, I mean, I usually point out which fantastic new painting you got each week. And this Elmo one, I'm a huge fan
0: of. Oh, thanks, dude. Okay. So, yeah, there's like a Triptych series that I've done. So, I mentioned last week that I got into this great gallery called La Luz de Jesus. And oh, my God, I finally got to post that and talk about it. And I'm so pumped to drop off the art. And it is a big deal. This is a fucking big deal for me. I worked really hard, right. and it's a big uh, gallery. I'm pumped about it um but i did i mentioned that i did some other ones to try to you know it's a juried exhibition so you have to like submit things and like the person who curates the art either likes it or they don't and i don't know the these ones didn't make it it's not not that they're not you know i don't know why they didn't pick them but you know either way they were part of a series and that was the one that got in was big bird on the blue blue line did you see that one?
1: Oh yeah yeah loved it.
0: did you see the book that is reading
1: Oh, i saw he was reading i'm sure
0: no tell me so it's a book on stoicism and he's got his um, okay. briefcase there and so like the kind of the idea behind that one is just like you know here's big bird goes and like has to entertain kids all day but in the background like the world is blowing up and there's like shit on fire and he's on the blue line just like all of us poor schmucks who have to work in the working place <laughs> do and like he's l- reading about you know stoicism and how to maintain. And I just love that because this is kind of the point of all of the series, right? Like, um, Elmo fucking amazing, full of life character that we all loves, you know, innocent and everything, but there's pills in front of them. Right. And it, I'm leaving it sort of up to you to think about like, what are those pills? Are they drugs? Are they for depression? Are they for anxiety? Are they for, behavior like to, to 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 you know bring you down to uh, a moderate level i don't know you tell me but i love that and it's like expression kind of says it all like should i or shouldn't i and i just i think this one is so great um they're all oil on wood panel too 12 by 12 and then this one i posted today uh man i really like i really love this one too and this is just like Oh, the, you
1: know miss piggy yeah I, I, I sometimes see <laughs> sometimes
0: life is this way you know she's so oh, right. into fucking kermit the frog right so into him but when she finally gets him this is what her life becomes i just love that shit like what like you know what happens when it's not all rose-colored glasses? You know,
1: I mean, anybody paying attention to the Muppets knew Kermit
0: was going to end up a raging alcoholic, so uh,
1: <laughs> the, the writing was on the wall, and so Piggy's got to take a little responsibility for that. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. So I, th- I thought those were kind of fun, and um, then I got to give a little props out to uh, um, a friend of mine. Alex she came up with this idea she wanted to do a private class and so anybody out there if you're interested, I teach private classes uh, art classes you can get those through my website and she had this idea she loves stranger things and she's like, hey do you would you want to like help me? put together um something with like a demogorgon and so we talked back and forth about what it would be and she's like i really like the idea of it eating a salad because it's different like a demogorgon would usually eat a person right and i was like that's cool i like that you know so this one i just finished uh the other night and it's pretty detailed
1: oh yeah was oh, that you said demogorgon is that a specific character from stranger things i still haven't seen it. yep
0: yep this yeah. is a and there's a little thing in the in the salad that she likes too it's a uh, like, oh, they yeah. become demo could, dogs or whatever. Um, it's I definitely Stark. see the, the
1: Carpenter influence in that character design, for sure. I mean, right? To, it's like a
0: yeah. flower or something. It's weird. Uh, but anyway, so that's my little plug for that. And then...
1: Oh, yeah. You've been busy this week, man.
0: Oh, my God. You have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I love it. I fucking love it. I do yeah. art every day, man. I fucking love it. And so... Uh, On top of all that, this is the one that I'm excited for the most. This came in the mail today, and I'm going to make sure that I post it on our social media.
1: Oh, man.
0: So if you're not watching right now, you guys, this is the official Remainders coffee mug. And it says Remainders, a Darren Varel and Patrick McIntyre podcast.
1: What a delicious treat that is. Awesome. Right? And out. Oh, that's that's so beautiful. It's such a great design, by the way. Like, I mean, this uh, design Darren came up with and captures it so perfectly.
0: What do you got? Yeah, so there? when we first or started. Was that a
1: fake sip or was that a real? Um what's that? What do you have in there? Coffee. No, this is just water. Yeah, okay, there'll be it. some
0: wine <laughs> in there tonight. But um the, the main thing about the design, um, just because you mentioned it, I remember when I first did it, we were doing books. Uh, movies, and then what was the third one? Oh, oh, music, right? And so that was what the three colors represent on our logo. Um, there, uh-huh, yeah, there yeah. yeah, were always going to be when we when we would have an episode about movies, it would be blue, or you know, the different colors. And so I, I kind of that's why it incorporates all of that. And I still think that that makes sense. I know we just talk mainly about the movies uh now, but we still talk about literature and we still talk about uh, music. So I think it, it all makes sense in there. And I, I do, I like the. You know, I kind of like the logo and how that came up. And I like that I added now a Darren Varel and Patrick McIntyre podcast. You know, I had to put my name first there. So
1: I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less from you. So (laughs) (laughs) no, No. it's fucking great to be on some swag with you for this uh, this endeavor. I love it.
0: Okay. And one last thing, if you don't mind, and this is a more um, self-deprecating. Not self deprecating, but self uh, indulgent. So nice. I got this white Varel hat in today. And so, yeah, look at that, baby. This is, uh, I, I have these in, I'm gonna, I got one that's red with a black um, black uh, embroidered Varel logo. And then I have one that's all black hat with a yellow Ooh. embroidered Varel. Um, they're all on my website. This is such a fucking great cap it fits awesome it's like kind of like we we're just talking about 80s kind of like style trucker hat but they're like they're really really comfortable and uh they look great and then it is a butte. and then i i got this and i have to show it real quick so varel hoodie dude come on
1: I love it. Look at
0: that. I'm wearing this one to the Lost Boys uh, tomorrow when it gets chilly at night. Fucking love that. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, anyway. all what we need
1: is we need to get your brother uh, dressed up in that hat, that hoodie, and then the white shoes from uh, the original vacation that Cousin Eddie gives Clark. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. He, You know what? He's at Disney right now. There's a Plain White Teaser. Oh, he, he decided to take his son to disney um just for a trip and then the bonus is that tom and those guys are playing and he sent me a picture today and no joke he bought one of these uh hoodies and it's a but it's like a army colored one nice. and then he bought the hat with the yellow um embroider and he's like representing here at disney and i was like oh fuck yeah
1: dude. <laughs> he was he already beat me to the idea I'm yeah like- <laughs>
0: totally yeah it's kind of funny that you uh you mentioned it so anyway uh those are my com items uh, of the week. And the remainders mug is on there as well. So um, we'll post that though on our social media so people can buy one if they want. Or there's also a t shirt with that logo as well.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to having my morning coffee in uh, one of our mugs. For Uh,
0: sure. Okay, cool. So, um, song of the week, you Mm want to switch over?
1: Uh, Let's do it. How about you go first? What do you feel? All right
0: so I, I went on a run the other day and I've been talking about this lately. I've just been loving going on runs because I can again. Um, in it. yeah, back in, in it. And it's uh, nice to feel like, uh, I talked about it last week, but just like, you know, mentally I'm in here working all the time. And so just getting out there and running has been nice. I have to take it a little slower, but that's okay. You know, life changes on you and you just got to do it differently. And so, um, when I've been out lately, I've been listening to a lot more music and, um, that's another benefit of like going and exercising is putting those headphones on and just like really, you know, digging into something and feeling energized. And there's a lot of stuff I could talk about, but what I kind of threw on the other day um, for like a jog and not a run, run was the first fountains of Wayne record. Have you ever heard that record?
1: Uh, I think the only record of theirs I've listened to is the, the one with Stacy's mom, which is an amazing record. Think that's yeah, the that thir-
0: that's our third record. Yeah, that's and third, it is yeah. amazing. Yeah.
1: So uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with their earlier
0: stuff. This record was like the soundtrack for like me and Tom driving around in his old Bronco back in the day. Um, you know, oh, yeah. I could put put it, put it to like the soundtrack to like my first girlfriend. Like, it's just like all of the things growing up, and it has so many. It's a, so many great memories that are attached to these songs. And it's very simple. It's very like '90s power pop. I believe it came out in '94, maybe '96. In fact, 96 sounds better to me. Um, But Adam Schlesinger, who died of COVID in 2020, unfortunately, was a very, very gifted songwriter. And this was his band with uh, Chris Collinswood, who's the singer. And I believe those two met in like college and they just started the band. And in this record, uh, was them two. And then they kind of like got a band together after that, but it's a major label debut. Um, they had a song called Radiation Vibe from it, which was their single back in the day. But the song I want to, there's a lot of great songs on here. And and, and a lot of their songs are kind of like every man, like um, sort of like I'm stuck left in my own hometown where everybody else is moving on outside of me. Or like, this is what our parents go out and do when us kids stay home and play. Um, very simple life stuff. Um, Sometimes tongue in cheek, a lot of times tongue in cheek lyrics and stuff like that. But there's this like, you know, Adam Schlesinger is pretty famous for writing the song That Thing You Do for the movie. Uh, And so this is his band. And the second song on this record is called Sink to the Bottom. And it's literally one of my favorite songs of all time. And it came on during a jog the other day and I just, it kind of stopped me in my tracks and I was just like, wow, this song is so good. Um, and I've been thinking about it for a while. Cause it's just, it's, it's been one of those songs that since I heard it has like been never a skip, you know, you always hear it and you hear it differently, or you just kind of like really makes your day or it brings you back to a time that was simpler, uh, or beautiful. and. I just really love this song. So anyway, that's my pick of the week. And um, yeah, if you haven't heard much of uh, that band, I, I would um, say those first two records are really leading up to the third one. Like their third one was their triumph, right? But those first two records were really, really good too.
1: Hell yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'll definitely listen to it. Like I said, yeah, they're welcome Welcome Interstate Managers is their 2003 album. With, uh, that's the one with Stasis Mound. I'm just thinking of the, the Mexican wine the opener around that album. Yeah, great. That's, that's such a great song. That whole album's great. So yeah, I should definitely listen to their previous ones. Um, definitely got traction. I mean, they were, their earlier ones are popular on Spotify compared to their other ones as well. Um, but yeah, so you're blowing my mind kind of. I kind of totally maybe knew that. So Adam Schles how do you say his last name
0: schlesinger
1: i'm gonna let you just say that um i feel like i kind of knew that he wrote that thing you do from the tom Hanks movie but uh i totally forgot about that because i fucking love that movie like i I watched the shit out of that movie when i was a kid um that song is like amazing it's just like it's amazing that like it's like a movie like that hinges on whether or not you actually have a good song or not like if they like if it's if they didn't have a like such a catchy song like that entire movie just would have been it is
0: the the entire pulse of the movie yeah has to run on that song and yeah that uh has one of the best catchphrases or taglines of all time and i kind of like have made it my tagline for the last couple years um the movie or the song the movie the movie so my girlfriend has the poster in her um apartment which is another reason why I knew that she fucking ruled when I met her because she had that and, the, the vertigo, and that and the vertigo poster in her place. And I was Ooh. like, uh, this, is, this is the girl for me. But um, the tagline of that movie is. Um, Sooner or later, um, that dream you dream becomes that thing you do.
1: Boom! talk about a mic drop of the tagline. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. It's
0: perfect. So anyway, uh, yeah, the, he wrote that song
1: that movie doesn't get enough love I feel like I feel like there's like nostalgia for it but I mean it certainly wasn't like you know held up as like a ma- any, masterpiece, any masterpiece
0: I mean it's it. got a huge fan base for the people that love it I, yeah. I mean yeah it's not like you know known as the greatest film of all time but the people who love it really really love it you know? yeah yeah so
1: good um <laughs> early um um oh, not really, his name's forgetting me Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Yeah. He's so good.
0: He's so good in White Lotus, dude.
1: <laughs> uh, Which I've been meaning to watch. Yeah. I have not checked that one out. Everybody, There's everybody, a, I know you're
0: not one. like huge on the TV stuff sometimes. Not that you're against it. I'm but not... a lot of those things, they, they do play out like movies. You know what I mean? Oh,
1: totally. Well, I mean, all the best, not the best, but like the writing has just soared at quality, obviously in TV over right. the last 20 years. It's like the biggest... Trend of it, I guess so,
0: that's timely to talk about right now, huh?
1: There is, oh, yeah, totally. It's like that's, I mean, that's it's become so much more popular, um, in the conversation, but um, yeah, it really is just a um mindset. Like, if I'm gonna put myself in front of a screen, I'm just more trained to watch a movie, I guess, yeah, I don't know. yeah, like I, I should be watching. Uh, some of the uh, better stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm about to binge the last season of Secession. Yeah. And um, I did. I mean, some of the TV that I do keep up with is um, the new I Think You Should Leave season, which I fucking highly recommend. Some of the best uh, sketch comedy of the last uh, twenty or thirty years. It's My so My girlfriend funny. loves that. Yeah. Oh, Tim Robinson is a fucking treasure. And those, I mean, the, the slow burn of those skits. Uh, we'll be watching them for years, I think um but yeah i mean i should check it out white lotus yeah
0: it's kind of like one of those things for me too like sometimes at the end of the night i don't want to like put a movie on because i know that i want to really like get into it and like if i'm tired or whatever like that's when the tv comes in at the end of the night i've like worked all day you know whatever i'm doing here and so those like always kind of like end up getting my attention a ton but I go into it thinking like, well, I don't have to pay as much attention as if I put on body heat, for example. Right,
1: right. I mean, yeah, I totally get that. Like I stop, I split movies up all the time. Like I don't do it on intentionally or anything. I'll watch a movie. I'll try to finish it in one sitting, but like I have no problem with just watching half a movie one night and then finishing it the next night or whatever. Sure. So,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not doing anything uh, wrong by watch, not watching enough TV, but I know there's—I know I'm missing out on a lot of good stuff. but yeah, yeah, it's all good. I, all I
0: think we'll so. talk a lot once you do watch the session, um, you know. And then well, the other
1: half is that I just re- want to rewatch Six Feet Under. Uh, <laughs> so, like, if I'm going to watch a drama, I just pop that back on. So right. Um, cool. All
0: so right. your song pick of the week.
1: Yeah, so uh, I have The Cure next week. I'm not picking a Cure song. I've already done that.
0: You've been been down the Cure path, but that doesn't mean we're done if you want to add another. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, I'll be uh, recommending their stuff. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, Going to see them on a couple shows next week. So I've just been re-listening to them. Um, So not a lot of new stuff, but so one of my picks is a um, instrumental uh, from a band that I really love. So like half the music I actually listen to is like, instrumental it's like usually what I put on um sometimes more passively if I'm like writing or just working um at the desk or whatnot I usually have I'm not usually putting on anything with like lyrics or anything and I love like classical music I love modern classical post-rock um but again it's like a lot of uh sometimes I listen to it passively and not as engaged but um some artists more than others, and Hammock is a band that I really love. Uh, they're kind of a um, combination of like a post-rock, Brian Eno, uh, classical kind of mess, mix between all those three. And um, they've been getting some traction uh, over the last couple of years. Um, one of my favorite albums um, that I'll be recommending a song from came out in 2017, it's called Mysterium. Uh, it's a title track "Mysterium" on uh, Hammock's album. Uh, it's just got a perfect vibe of like kind of what I listen to um, in the background when I'm not listening to like anything like fast, like the Ramones or whatnot. So, um, so yeah, this is a song. It's kind of got like a two two distinct sections of it. One sounding kind of more um, ambiance, and then the second half kind of bleeding into a more classical sounding vibe. Uh, almost like a hymn, like a church hymn, to be honest. And uh, yeah, it's just a band that I've always loved uh, since I started making music. And one that I, it's kind of like a default um, band and uh, genre that I put on if I'm not listening to anything like actively. Cool. Uh, Yeah,
0: yeah. is it, uh, I've never heard of the band for Hammock. That's the name, Hammock is the name. They've
1: done actually a couple movie scores uh, we did a movie score for um, this movie called Columbus, which I really liked, which actually okay. has the actress from White Lotus. Um, is
0: Not uh, Stivler's mom.
1: No. It's the younger actress, who's kind of like a Southern Americana.
0: Oh, uh, which season? H- what, Haley
1: then? Lou Richardson.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So Columbus, a uh, pretty good movie. I saw it at the Gene Siskel uh, with John Cho from, um, Carolyn Kumar and her. It's a pretty great um, character study. Parker Posey's in it, but anyway, they've done a, a has done a couple uh, scores, and I know they did that one. And so yeah, they just kind of gotten around uh, subtly over the last like ten years, and just a had vibe. With them. like I said, like it's easy to kind of overlook the amount of like modern classical that I really love uh, because it kind of often gets uh, thrown in the same pot. And and, I mean, I have like an ear that enjoys it, but like, I certainly can't differentiate. I've never been able to differentiate like types of classical musicians or like who does like what piece and whatnot. So it often kind of gets thrown in the same uh, playlist together without a a lot of uh, um, separating the artists and whatnot.
0: I have to put that on. You know, a lot of times when, <clears throat> when I paint, I don't really like to listen to anything like too aggressive, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm getting a little old man about it, but uh, maybe this would be a cool soundtrack uh, for that.
1: You mean you're not throwing bottles out. at the wall while you're painting? And, and
0: I, to I used to. Put <laughs> you put
1: on, somebody put something in my drink and then just yeah. like throw shit against the wall while you're painting?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the all DD like songs time. all day long. I just put on oh. anything that DD's love kills, whatever, yeah.
1: I mean, put on mashed potato. That'll make you want to, <laughs> that'll definitely make you want to paint and get in a vibe.
0: Oh, it so, is Friday. I forgot that that's our, That's the Friday. Uh, the vibes is the D.D. Ramon, D.D. Uh, King record. D.D. Oh,
1: King
0: mashed potato time. Should Ahead just, of its time, man. I'm just, just going to add that to the playlist. I feel like I'm just going to add the playlist just
1: because it feels
0: like a staple. So. Yeah, add that on there. But, uh, oh, also in the show notes, maybe uh, put a link to where people can buy the uh, the swag if they want on the, uh, yep. uh, if you can't, if you can, if you remember it that way, um, if anybody's listening and they want to, they can just go right into the show notes. Oh,
1: yeah. Promote that stuff. Everybody wants a piece of swag with our names on it. I know mm-hmm. I do.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you, it's, uh, this is year three. Is that right? Um, yeah. So I saw something with, uh, everybody talks about like, you know, it takes five years if you're building a business for like it to become successful. Well, we got two more years to go (laughs) and, uh, not that, you know, we're not feeling successful, but, um, maybe in another couple of years, we'll have amassed a lot of great episodes for people to binge themselves. And then, uh we'll have more swag as it comes, but I think this is about the right time to to add swag. It's about you know mid the midway of us doing our podcast. If you look at it in the five-year business plan,
1: how oh, good love it. Uh, I've definitely been thinking about some more of the legacy episodes once we hit uh, some milestones. Uh 50. I know 100. what going
0: 50 is is your is your pick. So we're
1: definitely excited for RoboCop at 50. Um, that's uh, definitely one that we're gonna be leading up to, but definitely um couple other like boogie nights is one that we just really got to celebrate as an episode because i know that's one that uh we've been talking about uh forever so
0: yes sir right. and, if you, right. and if anybody's
1: listening got any other suggestions we like a lot of movies that we haven't even talked like uh, mentioned probably so if you're feeling like uh, a discussion on something we are definitely open uh, to it uh, always looking for honestly I'm gonna, I'm gonna we put, may forget and about, i'm gonna put so. this
0: out there you know in the future it might be nice to have a guest come on from time to time to talk about a film and even possibly a guest from like a movie that we've covered, you know, I mean, maybe Josh Burge would, would come on and, and uh, you know, we've, oh. we've kind of made contact with him. Maybe he would be cool enough to like, want to come on and talk about his next movie that he's doing with Joel.
1: Yeah. I did see that notice that he's uh that has been greenlit. So man, yeah, talk about, uh, uh, a, a burgeoning De Niro Scorsese uh, duo right there between the two of them so
0: totally he's like in every film that I've seen at least of Joel so yeah. well, so great <laughs> okay well thanks for listening everybody like I mentioned before we're on remainderspod.com all of the social medias are linked to that you can buy the new coffee mug and t-shirt there and support the show but another way of supporting the show is just sharing it liking it um, and then I know that the ratings really help a lot of shows. So if you haven't before, and you like our show, please go and rate it on Apple or uh, Spotify, I guess is the other places wherever you listen, um, it would really help us out. So we appreciate it. And then maybe in the future, we'll give away maybe we could do some contests, you know, I mean, it, this is an always evolving thing and we're excited to uh, connect with you guys more. So let us know if there's anything you want us to cover and we will do our best to put it on the list.
1: Hell yeah. Rate, review, review and subscribe. I know everybody says it, but it definitely does make a difference. So we appreciate We definitely appreciate anybody uh, listening still to the end. So it's uh, fantastic. We appreciate you staying with us.
0: Yep. Your time is valuable and we don't take it for granted. We appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend, Pat. Hope you have a great weekend, man. Do some great stuff. Be artistic, Uh, read some great books and I'll see you back here next time.
1: Oh yeah. Talk to you later, bud.
0: All right. See you guys. Bye-bye.